What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Atomic Skull Podcast. My name is Matthew, and I am trying to reach the HR department to cash in some of my sick time for last week. I do apologize for missing an episode. It wasn't because I was lazy or due to lack of material. You're going to see that this week with all the huge, hilarious jokes I have. There's been some readjusting going on at home right now with some new schedules, and work has been putting me through it. In a store full of dildos, I can't believe I'm getting fucked by attendance issues. If you have any complaints about my missing an episode, and I completely understand that, and if it's something you want to follow up on, you can call 206 996 1800 and ask the Los Angeles Police Department Missing Persons Unit to reopen the investigation into the whereabouts of Shelly Miscavige. I have a lot to get to today and I want to kick it off with the worst of the week. I'm sure you guys vaguely remember me mentioning in the last episode that I'm piggybacking off of someone's Netflix account and I hadn't gotten kicked out yet. Well, the day after the episode was released, Guess what fucking happened? So I am going to name Netflix as the worst of the week for having the audacity to not force me at all to choose to pay my own money for a service that I am actually using. But also, I mean, I guess I should thank Netflix for listening to the show. I need all the help I can get out here and I'm looking for warm bodies. So thank you, Netflix. But also, fuck you. Before I forget, let's get ourselves fist deep into some gold star answers because I am incredibly behind. You may remember an episode back in the early 1930s where I asked what each of you consider to be the most beautiful animated movie you've ever seen, and I got a boatload of answers that I want to get into. And I do want to say thank you to everyone who sent these answers in particular, because not only did I get a lot of them, but I was sent some movies that I hadn't heard about in a long while, and a few that I hadn't heard about at all. I want to start with Coco, which was an answer that I got probably the most of. Coco was one of the first animated movies I had seen in a very long time, that blew me away with how gorgeous and colorful it was. It's one of those movies where, like, even if you've never done drugs before, your first thought is, man, I should be high for this. I didn't even want to blink when I was watching that movie, and I damn near kicked my own ass for not seeing it in the theater. Another one that I got kind of in the same vein was Monsters, Inc., which I absolutely adore. When you watch Monsters, Inc. now, it doesn't seem like anything super special when it comes to the visuals, but back when it was released, I remember it being miles ahead of the animated movies that were out at the time when it came to rendering and realism. It definitely took what people expected from animated movies to the next level. Also, I know it has nothing to do with the aesthetic or the question I asked, but John Goodman and Billy Crystal are fucking American treasures. How to Drain Your Dragon 3 made the list, and unfortunately, I have nothing to say about it because I've never watched any of those movies. I did try to watch the first movie two times. The first time, I fell asleep because I'm an old man and that's what I fucking do, and the other time I tried to watch it 
was when a young lady I was dating at the time came over to cuddle up with me on the couch and watch a movie. She ended up picking How to Train Your Dragon, and like I said, I've never really seen it. I hear great things, though. I got Prince of Egypt sent in to me, which I did see at one point. For me, it didn't really jump off the screen, but I watched the trailer for it while I was putting this episode together to try to jog my memory a little, and I think it just isn't my style in particular, which is fine. My style is, well, first of all, let's face it, my style is awesome, but also it's more than a little weird and specific. Please don't ask me to describe what my style is. I'll get a fucking nosebleed. Um... Iron Giant. You know Iron Giant got sent to me, and I am so glad it did. As beautiful as that movie is, and it is, I think for me, Iron Giant hit my heart way harder than it hit my eyes. The end of that movie makes me feel feelings, and I can't tell you how much I hate when I do that. What I found interesting was how long it took for you guys to get to anime. I got a bunch of answers before anyone even touched an anime movie. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned before how much of an anime fan I am not. I try to get into it. And there's a few that fancied my tickle a little bit. Death Note was one that I remember in particular that everyone recommended to me and I liked it, but I was hoping it would break open the whole glass ceiling for anime. And unfortunately, it just didn't for me. And also, real quick, and I'm not trying to be a dick here, I promise. I say this with the utmost love and respect for you, cucks. Please do not take this opportunity right here to assume that this is an invitation for you to send me a bunch of anime shits that you think I would like. It isn't that I'm not open to new things, but it's kind of like White Castle for me. I haven't had a lot of it, and I'm not saying it isn't good, and I certainly don't want to take it away from you, but I've had enough of it to know that it just isn't for me. And boom, there's your fucking food metaphor for the week. Now, Just because I don't jerk off to every anime movie that's ever been made doesn't mean there aren't some undeniable gems that I have seen. And near the top of that list is a movie that was sent in as an answer called Akira. If you haven't seen Akira, that's a mistake. It was released late 80s, very late 80s, 88, 89. It is a post-apocalyptic cyberpunk biker anime movie, and that alone should be enough to get at least a few of you to be all in for that flick. Go check it out. I mean, obviously, of course, wait till after this episode, but go to YouTube and check out a trailer or a scene from the movie and you will get what I'm talking about. It is gorgeous. Now, I want to finish off this list here with two movies that I had completely never heard of before they were sent in to me. One of them is totally on me, and I don't know how I missed it, but it is an animated movie called Kubo and the Two Strings. I watched just a couple scenes from it, and man, it looked really, really good. I feel so bad that I missed it. I guess I was just too busy, you know, learning how to train my dragon, if you know what I mean. But 
it looks fantastic, and I added it to this long list of shits that I am going to get to once I quit my job and do this podcast for a living, where I somehow get paid to watch a bunch of shit and talk about it. That, you guys, is my sexual fantasy. That is pure fucking spank material for me. And then the last one that I want to mention before I move on is a movie that was sent to me called The Secret of Kells. I had never heard of it before it was sent in, and holy testicle Tuesday. It is unlike anything I have ever seen before as far as the style and animation goes, and it is fucking breathtaking. If you are into animated movies, very obviously a lot of you are, find The Secret of Kells and check it out. Even on a fantastic list here of some of the most beautiful animated movies that have ever been made. Seriously, you guys killed it with this one. The Secret of Kells is particularly stunning. And if you've heard of it before I'm telling you about it now, I am not unimpressed. While we're at it, I'm gonna let it ride with the gold star questions and get to the one from last... Oh, oh, I joined Threads. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it does. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. Get off my lawn. It's at Atomic Skull Podcast, just like everywhere else. I do have a pretty comprehensive social media thing going on right now. Unfortunately, I just fucking suck at it. If anyone wants to run those shits for me, I'll bake you cookies or something. I don't know. But catching us fully up on the gold star questions let's revisit the most recent question that i asked which was in just this last episode what is something that would get you to take a shitty ass poorly operated submarine situation down to the bottom of the ocean true to my hypothesis in the last episode I didn't get too many answers, which is totally fine. It's definitely kind of a heavyweight question, so I'm not throwing any shade. I did pull the husband card and require my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, or as I'm calling her for the rest of July until I see the movie, my little Sloppenheimer. Oh my god, my mother-in-law is going to kill me. But I did require Mrs. What's-Her-Name to answer this question, and her answer was... And I quote, if someone she loved was in danger, end quote. Exactly. Now, I have two specific long form answers that I am going to read exactly as they were sent to me. Both of these answers were sent to me by women of let's say different generations. I don't want to use any specific adjectives to describe anyone's age that might get me in trouble out here. And before I read these, I want to say that you can definitely tell the differences between the age gaps, but also lots of similarities, which we will break down. Now, here is the first one. Chris Maloney gives me a hot oil massage. He's also my husband, which I can totally dig that. The man is one of my law and order daddies and as a mostly straight man i am not afraid to admit that chris maloney is a total piece all right and then gordon ramsay prepares me breakfast lunch and dinner in my cliffside mansion in ireland i mean how would a cliffside man's in ireland be at the bottom of an ocean these are the kind of questions i don't want to have to answer 
Uh, where are we at? Gordon also brings me a new wine every day to try while I fall asleep in my California king bed in between Gordon and Chris, and the room is always 65 degrees and smells like blueberry pancakes. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about right here. Those billionaires took that piece of shit to go down to the bottom of the ocean and see what is left of an old boat. I can guarantee goddamn to you that there ain't no way it smelled like blueberry pancakes down there. Now, for the second one, I just, I don't even know. You know what? I'm just going to read it, okay? All right, here we go. I would want to have my pre-mom body back. And with my new slash old body, I get to have a threesome with Jensen Ackles and Matt Reif, specifically starting with Matt Reif performing oral on me while I'm making out with Jensen Ackles. After earth-shattering sex, we put comfy clothes on and eat amazing chicken fried rice made by my husband. We listen to Ian McKellen read Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. When Ian is tired of reading, then John Mayer jumps in and plays split-screen sadness. That is, bar none, the horniest message I have gotten in years. Nobody appreciates a good threesome fantasy more than yours truly, but Jesus Christ, man, that is really fucking specific. The one critique that I have on all of that, we're shooting for the stars with everything else, but John Mayer plays just one song. Don't get me wrong, Split Screen Sadness is a solid tune, but you know he could play the entire Heavier Things album, but you just want him to play one fucking song? I'm not attacking that at all, but if I was John Mayer and I heard that, I would be a little hurt. <laughs> Did you want me to do a whole set for you? No, no, just that one song will be fine. I bet that's how Dexy's Midnight Runners feel at every show they've ever played. Uh, we could do a whole set if you guys want. No, 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 just that one song will be fine, please. Thank you. And speaking of coming on Eileen, the last thing I'm going to say about that whole scenario between Jensen Eccles, who's a very attractive man, by the way, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, wouldn't mind getting a little supernatural with him, between Jensen Eccles, Matt Reif, and John Mayer, I might suggest adding a cure for herpes into the mix, or at the very least, some topical cream. I'm pretty sure that officially catches us up on Gold Star Answers, finally, so I have been living the batch life this week because Mrs. What's-Her-Name flew out of town for some training for her job. I'm not actually entirely sure what she's okay with me talking about when it comes to her job, so I'm going to keep it kind of vague. But I have to tell you guys this little piece of business because I thought it was fucking hysterical. Right before she left, she got pulled aside by her boss to talk a little bit about the trip. And he told her to make sure to dress appropriately to represent the brand. And she tells me that she's immediately thinking in response to that, all right, maybe that's a little sexist. Why the fuck would I not dress appropriately for a corporate training? Who the fuck do you think I am? Well, apparently, and this is, this is, this is fucking great. You can't buy this. Apparently, one of the previous women in her position attended the same training this corporate training like you guys she shook hands with the vice president of the company she showed up 
to the training wearing sweatpants with clearly no underwear. And it was one of those sweatpants that said juicy across the ass. I completely understand and agree with the idea that women have higher aesthetic standards placed on them when they go out in public than men. I want to make sure that I touch on that before I get to this next part. I told you guys that Hot Take Summer Season 2 is here. And ladies, hate me if you must, but I'm going to be a dude here for just a second. Firstly, many of those aesthetic standards that are placed on women in public are by other women. They didn't used to be, but these days, I think they are. I think they might be. I personally don't ever hear men, don't ever hear straight men, talk about the way a woman has herself put together anymore. Mostly because I think they're terrified of the repercussions of saying something like that, which is not a bad thing. But Seckenberg, wearing sweatpants that say juicy on the ass to a corporate shindig is not the least bit empowering. That's like wearing pigtails to a job interview. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying it's not a good idea. The VP of the company is also a woman. I would have died to see that interaction. Unfortunately, I have absolutely nothing interesting or exciting to talk about as far as me living my best life while Mrs. What's-Her-Name is away. Every day she was gone, I worked for 10 hours, and then I came home and spent a bunch of time writing this piece of shit. All right, for best of the week, this one is going to get a little personal. We're not afraid to show feelings out here. The best of the week is going to go to my mom. July 17th is a very important day for me because it is my mom's sober anniversary. And this year marks 12 years sober, the dozen. My mom and I haven't always hit the sweetest notes. Even now as I'm talking to you guys, she doesn't listen to the show anymore. But it isn't that I don't understand. She has a lot on her shoulders these days. And as sad as I am that she isn't showing up for me at the moment, I am so proud of how she is showing up for people around her. Being sober is fucking hard. Imagine giving up your most favorite thing in the world forever. The thing that helps you after a bad day, the thing that makes your good days great. Think about the idea of removing whatever that is from your life entirely. I don't know, man. I couldn't do it. And not only does she wake up every day and make the choice to be the best version of herself and stick to it, something I sure as shit could not do, she also runs sober houses, plural. She works hard every day to try to help people that are currently where she was. That's something that is pretty incredible. She hates when I talk about this whole thing, but also she's not here so she can suck my ass. In my life, I've never really admired a parent before, certainly not when I was growing up, but now I do. Whenever I tell her that I've been extra sad and start thinking shitty thoughts or I'm extra sad and start eating shitty food, and then use that as an excuse to hate myself even more than usual. She reminds me that life and the choices we make are about progress and not perfection. And that right there is something, I mean, what more could you want from a parent, you know? I'd like to believe that eventually she'll catch up on this whole shit show, and when she hears this, she'll probably be pissed. But the best of the week this week 
goes to my dreadful mother for being the strongest person that I know. Proud of you, Mom. I hope you get to celebrate with a cocktail. Ah, I'm such a turd. I know we still need to get to the good things that social media has done, but also I have gotten, and this is true, actual complaints about not doing the Dildo Chronicles, and I think I only have time for one of those two things. So the social Meads thing is going to have to wait for next week. Don't get me wrong, you guys. I fucking love that I got complaints about not including a segment in the last few episodes. If I didn't hate myself so much, I would almost feel special. For the Dildo Chronicles... I know I've talked about this before, but I am going to be taking another dive into it because I have had some brand new stories about the way that men in particular behave in a dildo store. Come on, fellas, we got to do better out here. So first of all, I have a weird number of dudes who come into the dildo store wearing a mask and sunglasses and a baseball cap. Now, I'm not going to go into any kind of thing about masks. That is a conversation that I literally never want to fucking have again. I don't know what the thought process is of the guys who come in with their whole fucking head covered up. Maybe they think they're being inconspicuous, but the truth is they look like triple the pervert. Plus, have a little bit of forethought. Per store policy, I am allowed to ask anyone I want for their ID at any time. And if they don't provide it, they have to leave. And then who the fuck do you even think you are? Unless you're Robert Downey fucking Jr., nobody is going to recognize you or care that you're there. And if they do recognize you and start giving you shit, just ask them what the hell they are doing there. It is such a stupid fucking mentality. Another terrible fucking behavior that is exclusive to men, and I swear to fucking God I'm going to hurt someone about it, is throwing packaging for the shit they just bought out in the middle of the fucking parking lot. We have two, count them, two trash cans in our parking lot. I understand if you absolutely, positively need to take that huge dildo out of its clamshell so you can slap your buddy in the face with it when you get in the car or whatever. But you can't just throw the fucking trash in the garbage can. Now I have to walk outside in the fucking desert in July. It hit 117 this weekend and clean up your fucking mess because you can't be bothered to do what you were taught to do in kindergarten. And by the by, How do I know it's always men that are doing this, you ask? Because most of the trash and packaging that I pick up are fucking boner pills that dudes are buying from me and then popping them on the way to their car. Have a little self-respect, fellas. Your sneaky link sends you one fucking text about wanting to fuck and you're immediately heading to get boner pills and taking them as you walk out of the store. Pace yourself a little. Jesus Christ, maybe buy a couple of them at once so you're not looking so desperate out here. The other day, I picked up a package of Rhino Boner Pills and the box for a stroker that I sold together. And I remember exactly the guy who bought it. Are you rubbing one out in the car right in the parking lot? Is that the kind of life that you pictured yourself living? And then, oh man you guys. And then I had a guy buy a bullet vibrator with fucking 
coins. 40 bucks worth of fucking coins. Literally, the dude said to me, I hope you don't mind I pay you in change. And the worst part was that he drops it all on the counter and then keeps fucking talking to me about bullshit while I'm trying to count it. It was the first time, and I'm not kidding you guys, it was the first time in 20 plus years of working with people that I have ever told a customer to shut up. And I don't regret it at all. And I took the money. I did take the money. It is still money. But also, go to a fucking Coinstar. This episode is brought to you by Coinstar. Coinstar. Because 10% is a small price to pay to not piss off your local dildo salesman. And then lastly... I had an old, old, old man come in looking for a cock ring, which old men often do, no judgment. But this guy, and boy, I really cannot emphasize how old he was. He asked me if I could explain to him where the G-spot was. Dude had to have been 122 years old. And he's just now getting curious enough to wonder where the fuck that is. But then also, why now? I can't imagine the woman that he's asking for was much younger than he was. Just run out the clock at that point with the whole G-spot thing. If he's asking this late in the game, the golden time when he really truly needed that information has long since come and gone. No pun. All right, enough bitching about turds and dildo stores. I'm sorry to do that yet again, but it is just the fucking worst. Before I blow out of here, I have a very old friend that celebrated a birthday this last week and she's one of the good ones so i wanted to do this little tradition that i have for her where as a birthday gift i give a list of a few things about myself that i kind of like because ever since i've known her which was way back i think we met sometime during the civil war Ever since we first started being friends, she has always been up my butt and around the corner about me not hating myself so much. And look, when it comes to self-loathing, it was particularly bad when I was younger. I will admit that I gave a lot of people that I think might have genuinely cared about me a lot of headaches. As I've gotten older, I've tried to be a little more objective when it comes to hating myself. And the best way that I can describe my frame of mind on that these days is like, I'm always hating myself. That's just part of my brand and that will never change. But as I'm saying this, it's sort of like I'm losing the war, but winning some battles. If I burrow hard enough on a good day, I can dig up a few things about myself that I actually kind of like. And this year, I thought I would bring all of you guys in on this tradition that I do for her birthday because oh how many DMs and texts that I have gotten chastising me for the negative things that I say about myself on this show. And I don't know what to tell you about that one, boys. I hope the jokes are worth putting up with the self-deprecation because it's like breathing for me. And that's going to lead me to the first thing that I kind of like about myself for this year is that... No matter how shitty I am in my brain, I'm always going for laughs. I am either trying to make people around me laugh or trying to make myself laugh. That's why I'm okay with dark and fucked up humor. Because I've said it before on the show, it's impossible to be cynical when you're laughing. 
And even in my worst moments on my worst days, I will allow myself to laugh if something's funny. And however long I'm laughing at whatever stupid shit I'm laughing at, it's like a tiny little vacation from whatever stupid shit is going on in my head. And I'm very glad that I've never lost that. The second thing on my list for this year is that I know how to tell a story. There is nothing worse, you guys, than when someone is trying to tell a story and they are backtracking or not able to read the room or, and this is a total pet peeve. Actually, I'm going to quote George Carlin on this one. I don't have pet peeves. I have major psychotic fucking hatreds. So this thing that I'm about to tell you is a huge major psychotic fucking hatred of mine. It is when somebody tells a long form story and they end it with the phrase, quote, and I was like, um, okay, end quote. You guys know what I'm talking about. You are all thinking of someone right now who gets an F at storytelling and they are the worst. So I may not be able to put together shit from Ikea, but I can put together a story, goddammit. And the final thing that I kinda like about myself for this year is my music knowledge. Don't get me wrong, I fucking hate it when my brain takes over and I start spouting off useless music facts ad nauseum to whoever is within earshot, but I like how much I know about music. Whenever I meet a fellow music nerd who does that same shit, I fall in love every single time. And that leads me to the song of the week, which I am going to be choosing the song that belongs to the birthday girl in my head because my love language is music. But also, I was kind of thinking to myself, how do I use my musical knowledge for the powers of good? You know, kind of like Captain America, but without the all of it. So... I am going to teach you guys about something right now that you may not know. The song of the week for this week, and this one's for you, Sparkles, is I Would Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That by Meatloaf. And it is on the Atomic Skull Podcast Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify. You may want to order a pizza or order a meatloaf before you listen to the song because it is not a short song. But it is a good song. It's a shower tune for sure. I want to very quickly explain to you guys what he means by that in the song. I have had so many people, whenever the song gets brought up, who say, I don't know what he means when he says that. What won't he do? Well, I am going to try to explain it to you guys. So this is going to be your little extra bread for today. I learned this little piece here by watching Meatloaf's episode of VH1 Storytellers. If you've never watched VH1 Storytellers, I actually think a few episodes are streaming on Paramount+, Plus, but you can watch it on, on uh, YouTube anytime. It was an artist who would come on and perform intimate versions of their songs after telling a story of how that song came to be or what that song means to them. It was a beautiful show. I watched every episode. It was a great bit when Meatloaf did it. He came on the show and brought out a chalkboard and everything to explain what that meant in the song. It would definitely be easier for me if I had a visual, but I don't. So instead of one picture, I'm going to have to give you guys a thousand words. Luckily, I'm pretty good at crafting a story. See what I did there? Now, 
I think what is so confusing about the whole that thing in the song is how many times Meatloaf sings the phrase, I would do anything for love. He sings it like a hundred times in every chorus, which makes it easy to sort of lose track of what he's talking about. So I am going to break the lyrics down a little bit and basically delete the repeats that are in the chorus. I think that's gonna make it a lot easier. So I can do this with just the opening lines of the song actually. And this isn't even in my notes. This is just me, my eyes are closed right now and I'm gonna do my absolute best to explain it without over explaining it, no promises. So he says, I would do anything for love. I'd run right into hell and back. I would do anything for love. I'll never lie to you and that's a fact. Okay, here's the money right here. So pay attention to this part. It changes with every chorus, but the idea stays the same. The next line, he says, I'll never forget the way you feel right now. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. So what he's referencing when he says that is the previous line in the song. Another example, in the next chorus, he does all the anything for love shit again. And then the line is, I'll never forgive myself if we don't go all the way tonight. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Which, once again, refers to the previous line of the song. He's basically saying, I would do anything for love, but I'll never forgive myself if we don't go all the way. Basically, he's trying to fuck. That's every song you've ever heard in your entire life about anything that any man has ever sang about in any era of any genre, any music, ever. So whenever someone brings up that Meatloaf song and says they don't know what he means when he says that, just tell them he means fucking. And that is my bullshit for the week. Thanks again for your patience with my sick day last week. I had a few people reach out to me and tell me that I fucked up their drive to work or their lunch break. And I actually think that's kind of sweet. Also, I got a high number of likes on Instagram for posting that I wasn't doing an episode last week. So like I said last time, thank you, but also fuck you. It's kind of like, you know, Netflix. Still don't know where to put my emotions on that one. Next week, you guys, we are going to talk about Mission Impossible. Summer movie season is here, and blessed be for the small price of whatever a movie ticket costs these days. That is an easy five minutes of material for me in every episode through August, so that's nice. We're gonna break down the list of good things that social media has done for us, because I did get a few answers, and I didn't think of like half the stuff that that was actually sent to me. I thought that was really cool. Also, I have been working my ass off on this big music playlist that I mentioned whenever the fuck I mentioned it. And it's given me a lot to think about when it comes to music. So I want to jump into that. And then also, of course, all the quality dick jokes that you've come to expect from this program. I will see you guys then. Be sure to follow me on all the socials, and there's a shitload of them. I am at Atomic Skull Podcast everywhere. Find me on your favorite and say hello. Give me five stars wherever you listen to this garbage online. It is always appreciated. It's all appreciated, you guys. Everyone listening, everyone who reaches out to give me your side of the conversation, answering the gold star questions, it is mind-blowing to me right now. Every week... I have people that I have never met before who are friends of people who listen to the show and they're reaching out to me to tell me that they started listening and they love what I'm doing. That means 
everything to me. Thanks for spreading the good word, and please continue doing that. Who doesn't love a good dick joke, am I right? Maybe lesbians, but I have lesbians who listen to the show, and they don't mind a dick joke. I'm sure they're gonna slide into my DMs to roast me for not being able to put together Ikea furniture. And you know what? I 100% deserve it. Let the bile flow, ladies. I love you guys. I will see you next week. Apologies to my mother-in-law, and how are you doing? 